0: Before we begin, I just wanted to give a thank you to all the listeners out there who have supported the podcast. I really appreciate you. And before this episode begins, I just wanted to let you know that the recording date was at the tail end of 2020 when I had the pleasure of recording with Dan Romanelli. Uh, so this is a really fun conversation. There is one off-colored joke that I left in, but you can find the entire thing unedited on our Patreon. That's This Means Podcast. Over on Patreon.com. And without further ado, here's the show. Are
1: you ready, eager young space cadets? I saw a the limit! there was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom.
0: Hello and welcome to of course you realize this means podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and welcome to the podcast loved and adored by Looney Tunes fans and especially Bugs Bunny himself, Eric Bauza, who we'll be talking about later in the show as he's currently getting a lot of the recognition that this podcast has been giving him for voicing the the renowned voice of Bugs Bunny in the current iterations of Looney Tunes cartoons. But first I want to bring on our guest this wonderful Sunday evening who has graced us with his presence and he is a Warner Brother royalty I would say because he's the one that helped usher in a new age of Warner Brothers and Looney Tunes specific licensing and he helped bring i know for myself looney tunes into my life with plushes and with toys and with just the joy of having a little bit of looney tunes in my room and i want to appreciate that with him so come with me and let's discuss looney tunes merchandise with dan romanelli hi dan how are you doing today
2: i'm doing great nice to meet you nice
0: to meet you as well and welcome and to thank the show. Thank you,
2: Jonathan, for your interest in Looney Tunes, because uh, you know all of us fans out there really appreciate your efforts to uh,
0: oh, thank you. You
2: know, shed a little light on the history.
0: I would love to shed light on history, talk about where it is in the present and where it's going to go in the future, which is exactly what you talk about in one of my favorite items, which is an ultimate visual guide to Looney Tunes. And I've had this book with me for over a decade. And I went back to it and I saw that you wrote this incredible forward and you discuss how you are essentially Bugs Bunny's agent. So maybe I should have come to you before I started this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for, you know, ushering in this new era of Looney Tunes ever since the 90s, I would say uh, you had a really big impact on how we took in the franchise. Would would that be correct?
2: Yes, actually. It's interesting because uh, I, I can tell you a story uh, that that uh, and I'm trying to remember the years that it was. I joined I think Warner Brothers in the um, early 80s, but okay. in in the 70s, uh, and actually I, I started as a theatrical salesman uh, for Warner Brothers in after I got out of college in the 60s, And the first job I had, was uh booking looney tunes cartoons in movie theaters in the 60s when they were still being booked in theaters
0: oh that's wonderful
2: and if someone told me that 30 years later i'd be selling bugs bunny t-shirts i would have said bad career path but it, <laughs> but it turned out to be a great career path and uh, but but I, I i wanted to tell you a story uh uh you know uh not to take away your agenda but no, it is no. very very By looney tunes very Looney Tunes related. When I my first wife, uh, we had a bake sale for our school, and and this was in Northern California, Marin County, and um, my my then wife made a platter of uh, carrot cake, and uh, we were selling it. I think for three dollars a piece, and nothing was selling. It wasn't particularly good, but I remembered I had a Bugs Bunny uh, uh, poster in my in my bedroom and back at the house with him munching on carrots. And um, I went home, raced home, put it up over the carrot cake and uh, and said Bugs Bunny carrot cake and it sold out instantly. So what happened and this was sort of led to my getting this position. I was working at a television station, KPIX in San Francisco at the time. I was sales manager Mm -hmm. and I put this poster up. And the product sold and I said, someone's got to do something with carrot cake and Bugs Bunny. So I went to LCA, which was the agency then that represented Looney Tunes. And I asked them for the rights to put together a deal with carrot cake or cookies. And they weren't doing that category. And they said, okay, we'll let you do it. And uh, um, I then uh, called, there was a thing called the red book in those days, which told you who ran everything. And I looked up and I was in the TV ad game. So I looked up uh, Nabisco was number one with cookies. And I called the guy, I still remember his name. I can't remember the guy I met yesterday, but I remember this. His name was John de Blasio and he was the cookie brand manager for Nabisco in the 60s. And I met with him in New York and I unrolled the poster of Bugs Bunny. And I said, I represent this guy and he can sell a lot of cookies for you and cake. <laughs> And he smiled. He was a big fan because in those days, Bugs Bunny was prolific on TV, you know, and on CBS and syndication. Oh, yeah. Big fan. He loved it. And he put together a test and he made a deal. And Warners then gave me a small percentage of that. And I was actually pretty excited about it. And that sort of got me into the game of licensing Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny. And subsequently to that, um, a, a uh, a good friend of mine, Terry Semel, who ultimately became president of Warner Brothers and who I actually brought him into Warner's when I was there in the sixties, cause I started in that position. Then he brought me back to start this division, you know, of licensing. It was, uh, for, for Warner Brothers. And ultimately I started hiring and building the division all around the world. And, and, uh, and, you know, then it became Warner Brothers Consumer Products, but that, That uh, cookie deal, you know, made made me a lot of money, and so there was a real connection with Bugs Bunny and me from the get go, early in the '60s.
0: That's wonderful, and yeah, Bugs Bunny as a salesman. A little history, absolutely, and I, I love that story. I'm really glad that Bugs Bunny was a part of your your introductory your introductory into that world of sales. And,
3: right.
0: and he continues to be a salesman. Like I remember back in 1989 when Batman came out and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck were hawking the WB catalog at the beginning right. of that VHS. And how I was like, oh, I need to have this.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't watch the movie without all this merchandise. Um, it, it's just phenomenal how transcendent the character is outside of the shorts. And how, right. like you just said, it prolific. He's prolific. Right. And that's wonderful. Continuing on with a little bit of the licensing, I wanted to bring up some appearances of the Looney Tunes in new merchandise that we can possibly get our hands on soon. There is going to be a, it's a company called Love Your Melon and they do these really cool beanies and there's Looney Tunes branded beanies coming out on December 22nd. That is right around the corner from us. So if you have a chance, definitely try to grab one of those. I'm going to be sitting on my computer waiting to press that buy button because uh, yeah. they have a really cute Bugs Bunny one where they have the little puff balls as ears on on mm-hmm. the top of it. I love that. Um, and most recently, we had, it's a network exclusive uh, by Louis D. Guzman and the Bugs Bunny brand. And it was a vinyl statue of Bugs Bunny multicolored very really cool pose of bugs running sold out instantly i had Hmm. no chance (laughs) and this was like 300 dollars and above and sold out instantly he the the looney tunes brand i had noticed within the past i guess couple of years that it had been pretty low-key not a lot of people talking about it not a lot of people selling items from it but ever since bugs's 80th birthday it has skyrocketed and there is a hunger for it. There really Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And I think that it it goes back to childhood. People recognize this character from childhood and it's nostalgic, but also when HBO max put up the new, uh, the new category of Looney tunes and people could watch the classics. They're still funny. They hold up and they can introduce them to new kids their kids and a new generation and or revisit them further for themselves and find the find new things funny with them
2: yeah and is, the new animation that they're doing is really good quality you know sam register who runs uh warner's animation and yes. has done a great job with i think uh, you know being respectful to i think chuck jones would be proud if he saw some of the new animation you know
0: Absolutely. And Pete Brownguard is running that he's doing a phenomenal job over there. And that brings us to Eric Bauza, who's voicing bugs in that. And I think, and I've been saying this ever since I saw the curse of the monkey bird in theaters. Uh, they had a small little run of it before the Oscars in 2019. And as soon as I heard his Daffy, I was like, Oh, Mel Blank would be really proud of where this character right. is right now. And like, that is just a testament to the talent that is Eric Bowza, who is yeah. finally getting some recognition in Canada where, and Twitter, <laughs> where his brand is blowing up because he's being featured everywhere. And I'm really glad that I was able to have him on the podcast and talk about Bugs' 80th this year because it was a joy having him on the show. And Eric, if you're listening, congratulations to all of that success and recognition it is overdue <laughs> and keep doing what you're doing because it's fantastic and we recently had a holiday special with the looney tunes on hbo max and that was phenomenal so mm-hmm. he's just blowing it up and blowing it out of the park and i, I love it so uh That's congratulations great. to him absolutely most recently we had a space jam to xbox advertisement where you can be a part of the legacy of Space Jam and create a platform game within the world for kids and audiences like to play on Xbox. That right. is super, that is super fun. I never had the opportunity to make a Looney Tunes game and now it's being provided to students or kids that are interested in coding or making video games and it's out there for you. So that is a wonderful way to spread joy to those who love the brand, but mm-hmm. also to educate, to get people interested in another career path that, that they never tr- like thought of. And mm-hmm. I think that's really great. Um, so LeBron and Bugs Bunny got together and they gave us a really quick rundown and we got to see other characters and their jerseys for the new movie. And it just all looks great. It all looks wonderful. Nice. And Jeff Bergman is doing the voice of Bugs in that, and he's knocking it out of the park. It's just everything is coming together for Looney Tunes to have a really, really big 2021, and I cannot wait. So uh, take a look at all of the Xbox little snippets and, and video game Eight uh, bit looking pixels <laughs> of bugs yeah. and LeBron playing basketball and and see what you can do and and if you have any ideas please submit them because your idea could be the one that's chosen and then that could be what we're playing next year like how great is that mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's really fun and and it goes back to licensing so we wouldn't be at this stage if it wasn't for consumer products and everything that you started in the nineties so. What was it like having bugs be out there? And what were things that you were most proud of putting bugs on?
2: Well, you know, the thing that really relaunched uh, Looney Tunes in in the uh, 90s was um, uh, besides Space Jam, which was a huge project for us. And and, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, it was turned down by Warner Brothers. And I I could not allow that to happen because you know I knew how important Michael Jordan was. He was such a phenom and Bugs could not have a better partner to relaunch his career and we needed, and we were doing extremely well because we opened the studio stores and our product was on fire. And I think some of the reasons that our product was on fire were a couple of brilliant artists who, who recreated the the characters on jackets and sweaters and shirts um, called the Guyetta brothers uh, particularly Tony Guetta and who's a genius when it comes to creating Lee tunes art and when when uh, I I saw uh, what he did at uh, with Disney characters and I actually stopped him at the licensing show in New York and and I went over to him and I said why did you why don't you Give us why don't you let us give you a license for the Looney Tunes characters he says I love the Looney Tunes characters I would be honored to do a license he says uh, you know and he says frankly I don't Disney didn't give me a license I just do them you know so he, he I said fine we'll just do us and, and he started doing <laughs> our characters and we started to do the collection of his work in the studio stores and it was just blowing out of the store. And and, uh, so his artwork was amazing. It still is. I don't know where he is today. I know he's around somewheres and he has that art collection somewheres and it's just genius. Wow! And um, so um, he gets a lot of credit for creating product in the studio stores that everybody loved. And we were selling it like crazy. And then when Space Jam came, it was a whole new opportunity to relaunch Looney Tunes with the biggest celebrity in the world, Michael Jordan at that right. time. And um, Michael did a great job. And uh, I was very proud of the fact that I held Warner's feet to the fire on that one because it was a huge success. I think it's been their biggest animation movie ever. Wow. And and um, And now they're doing the second one with LeBron. So hopefully it'll work as well. And um, and and I'm sure it'll sell a lot of product as well, too. I have so, faith
0: in that as well.
2: Yeah. So I, I was right now there's a lot of movies that I helped influence that didn't work. So I'm not this genius, you know, but with, <laughs> but with Space Jam. It 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 was a huge launch of a relaunch of our characters. And, uh, you know, who was the hippest, coolest guy in the world? Michael Jordan and and having bugs pal around with him was really great. My only regret is that I, I did have a cameo role in a subsequent Looney Tunes movie uh, called uh, Back in Action, which I called Lack of Action because it was a terrible movie, it didn't work. <laughs> and I get a lot of credit for that, but but uh, you know I didn't produce it, I didn't write it, I didn't direct it. But Space Jam was something, one of my proudest moments in terms of adding value to the franchise.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you very much for your collaboration with Warner Brothers in that and bringing that to us kids. Because I was a kid when that when that came out, and I went out to the local Target and bought the VHS. Uh, Back then, it was like this giant book (laughs) that you opened up, and the cassette is like you know three inches thick. And I took it to school with me the next morning, and the teacher had come to the end of the opening day of like. Uh, here's what we're going to be doing today. And then she was like, does anybody have anything they want to share? And I just happened to have Space Jam with me. And I was like, I have th- I have Space Jam. And all the other kids were like, how do you have that? <laughs> so I got to play Space Jam the first like 10 minutes in class before real school actually started that day. And uh, that here's was just one of the, the one of the
2: products from Space Jam. Do you see that? This oh, wonderful. MJ <laughs> with the... Uh... I have a much bigger one in my other place, but uh, uh, it's not a good picture. In fact, there's a video that Michael did where he held this up and he said, Romanelli, who approved this? Not me, you know, you're fired. And uh, uh, But but he was happy at the end of the day with the movie. And, and I know that uh, he enjoyed making it. And it was so much fun when he was in Hollywood in that production. And I remember one of the funnest memories I have of my job was hanging out with Michael while he was, we built that basketball court. I don't know if you saw that series he did called uh, Last Dance. Uh, yes, Last yes. Dance. And and we built this en- enormous, we reconstructed this basketball court there. And my job every night was just hanging out with him, making sure that he he got the movie made. and. And I got a pass from my wife to to do that, and uh, where and he's he's such an icon that wherever you went with him, you know it was like uh, you were cool. You had to be cool just to be with him, you know. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so it was uh probably the biggest thrill for me was being involved, being instrumental with that film, being involved and the exploitation and sales from it, and uh, it was really really successful so um
0: that was also big with the mcdonald's tie-in toys they had these little plush characters with yes the looney tunes in yeah. the jerseys that came exactly.
2: out exactly and and the they did a a huge run on that And at a certain point they called me and said that we they were going to ship back because it didn't all went go through i think they overproduced them and mm-hmm. what we did was i think we. We threw them away, and now I see they're for sale at sixty-five dollars a piece on eBay. So that was a big mistake. I should have <laughs> threw them away in my garage you know? <laughs> and waited for, waited for the resurgence. Exactly.
3: To,
0: so know, Michael and Bugs had done Nike commercials prior to
2: the right. production of Spaceship in the did Super Bowl, and and it was their number one commercial that year in the Super Bowl, and then they did it the following year in the Super Bowl.
0: Did you have a hand in getting the Nike? Uh, brand, yes, to
2: partner yeah. with Warner Brothers. Well, yeah, we, we, it's funny, we went up to Nike, and what we pitched wasn't Michael Jordan, you know, uh, he was relatively new. What we pitched at that point was Bo, remember, Bo, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, there was a football player who was amazing. I'm trying to remember his last name, it was Bo, Bo Jackson, and yes, yes, right. And we did Bugs Nose Bo, you know, okay. Bo Knows Bugs. And we went up to Nike and we pitched it and, and uh, they, they looked, it was like, you know, it, you know like a plane that crashed. And, and they said, no, but there was one guy there, I'm trying to remember his name, who, who was great, very, very creative guy. And he had a big smile on his face. And he, he said to me at the conclusion of the meeting, we hate the bow nose bugs idea, but I've got another idea I'm gonna come back to you that you guys are gonna love. And it was mj it was michael jordan and we he was right we did love it and it turned into to be two super bowl spots and you know back to back and uh and they sold a lot of uh you know hair jordan sneakers and i wish i had some of those you know and yeah uh, (laughs) me too
0: (laughs) that's wonderful and the brand obviously is uh never ending with a new space jam in the works and coming out next year and hopefully that turns into a really profitable franchise for the company and we see more looney tunes on the big screen in the future right now because of the pandemic the theater going experience has been transitioning into what people are calling streaming wars and we're trying to have big movies come to streaming services sooner and sooner and sooner and HBM HBO max and Warner brothers have come out with a plan to have day and date release. And for me, that's very sad because I love seeing Looney Tunes on the big screen and it's very rare that we get to do that. I was really hoping that, well, I guess before the pandemic started, which was a very small window, um, that we would have Looney Tunes cartoons be played before Warner Brothers movies Mm
3: -hmm. in theaters.
0: And that wasn't able to happen for obvious reasons. And I was looking forward to Space Jam being the next resurgence of Looney Tunes on the big screen. But I I will preface this with, I will track it down. I will find a theater that is playing (laughs) Space Jam and go. But for the rest of America and people that wanna be like super safe. And I understand that, you know, that going out to the movies is very risky right now. And I would not condemn you for not going out. Uh, But in the future, I really hope that we get more Looney Tunes and more opportunities to see these characters shine on the biggest screen possible. And I agree.
2: agree. Now, the the other thing that I was very excited about years ago was, uh, I don't know if you were familiar with it, but it was a good way to see it uh, pre COVID days was Bugs on Broadway, which was the the animation uh, with the music uh, taken off tracks and live with a live orchestra underneath and George Doherty, who you should at a certain point, maybe interview on your uh, blog too, uh, came to me and, and wanted to do this and, and, uh, and we were all over it, and he, he's toured the world now with these, with this orchestra playing the beautiful classical music that came with the original Looney Tunes cartoons. And, uh-huh. and um, he was planning on doing it at Lincoln Center this year, uh, but because of COVID, everything blew up. But eventually, he'll do that again, and that's a great way for, and it was a very successful series. I remember being, uh, we did it on Broadway in one of the theaters, Sellout, um and uh it, it was a huge success and uh, he's continued it for years and years and they're still doing it and I know they were going to do a tie into space jam as well but because of covid you know that's all been hopefully with the sh- with the shots coming out uh that in in about 6 months you know maybe we'll be going back to theaters and seeing movies you know i think people are reluctant right now to go anywhere so you know Exactly. Especially me, my age, you know, but, uh, uh but, you know, I'm, uh, um, looking forward to the day when I can get my shot and we're all safe, you know? Same.
0: Yes. Uh, and I'm glad you're in good health. I'm glad, yes. <laughs> that, you know, you're saying, you.
2: um,
0: thank you for the recommendation. I will definitely look into that composer and hopefully we can uh coordinate something later on i was really looking forward to bugs at the hollywood bowl again they were going to do yes. an 80th anniversary a celebration of bugs bunny at the hollywood bowl here in hollywood and, and that got canceled that's, too
2: that's bugs on broadway that is the oh uh, that is okay that's george doherty so you should you know put him down for your broadcast because he's a very uh, interesting guy and he really uh, you know has been very successful with that program
3: Thank you
0: very much. I will definitely check George out
2: and uh, reach out to him. Yes.
0: Uh, Continuing on, I wanted to highlight the latest character to be featured in Looney Tunes, The World of Mayhem, which is a Warner Brothers and Scopely collaboration with the world of RPG gaming on mobile devices. You can find this game on any iOS or Google Play. And they recently introduced Snow Bunny, which is a take on Bugs's. Uh, Eskimo outfit whenever he is in the frigid winter cold of Antarctica with Playboy Mm. Penguin in Chuck Jones' 1949 Frigid Hair. (laughs) So we're going to talk briefly about this short. I love this short. This is one of my favorites where Bugs is trying to go to Pismo Beach and takes that left turn at Albuquerque and winds up in the frigid, frigid cold. And mm-hmm. it, Mel, Mel does such a good job vocalizing freezing. Oh yeah. <laughs> All around, Chuck does a really good job. I'm Michael Maltese, too, who wrote this script, does a really good job of putting Bugs in these outlandish situations where he will befriend the cutest little thing in this penguin and then he will take on any adversary. And this, in this case it's an Inuit who is trying to eat the penguin. And basically it just, it's so wonderful how it all comes together and the comedy is pitch perfect. Like there is not a false note in this short.
1: Oh, you again. Well, Scram, you've already ruined my vacation. Why, I oughta bang you one on your little kisser. Oh, all right, all right, turn off the ice factory. There. That's bitter. I'm sorry, but what am I gonna do with only four days' vacation left? Huh? Well, now what? What? You mean the days are six months long up here? Wow! If I stay up here, I won't have to be back to work till July 1953. The
0: landscapes are incredible by Maurice Noble. And it's just, it's just one of my favorites. And I love, I love ice. Anytime ice is animated, it's really a joy to look at. And you put bugs in that scenario and it's just even better.
2: That's great. Yeah.
0: Within the game, you can unlock Snow Bunny in the event called "There's no There's no time like the present," which is a clever
3: mm-hmm. pun.
0: <laughs> <I> <laughs> <enjoy>. <laughs> the character is an epic character. They are a defender, an explorer, mm-hmm. and they live in the summit region of the game. This tune has a plus ten percent attack, defense, and speed. While any explorer tune is in battle as an ally.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: ultimately, the the design work and the animation around this character's attacks are really fascinating. They include the big fish that Bugs uses in the cartoon to sw- uh, swap the uh, Eskimo upside the head, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they have this really great avalanche animation that they use. It's just. All around, a lot of work went into the design and the elements from the short, and they transposed them perfectly into the game. And that's one of the things I love about the game. They have a very strong attention to detail. And for those fans that know the short or revisit it, we -hmm. can appreciate that. And that's that's one of the things that just makes this game a joy to keep coming back to again and again. That's great. Dan, did you have anything to do with theme parks while you were at Warner Brothers?
2: Well, yes, I I, uh, put together a deal with, uh, um, you know, my division did. I mean, I was very involved in the Six Flags. I was, I was a bit uncomfortable when, um, when we sold, uh, we made a deal and gave Six Flags like, uh, I think, uh, 50 years, uh, on Looney Tunes, uh, uh, to keep the rights for 50 years because we had uh, originally invested in Six Flags, and then Jerry Levin, who was then the CEO of Time Warner, uh, sold off the the theme park he wanted to get out of it
3: mm-hmm. and in
2: order to do that they want they insisted they have Looney Tunes for 50 years and i didn't want to do that because i made deals for five years so i could renew them right and i remember meeting with the ceo and said uh unfortunately i don't think i'm going to be around for the renewal but <laughs> 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 but uh you know it's uh, this it was not in my opinion a great deal but it was important for the ability to sell off the rights to a, a division that Warner's didn't want to be in at that point in time. Uh, but yes, I but I was very involved in in our uh, you know we did a deal with the DC characters with Superman, you know a, a lot of Six Flags. Six Flags was our partner. In fact, uh, I remember one of the funny stories with uh, uh, Six Flags. You know, we used to have the around characters. Yes, and you know. S- Six Flags wasn't run quite frankly as well as Disney. We all know that, right? And it was a step down. And there was a, a there was a big uh, coverage in the newspaper because some six year old kid went over to the walk around Daffy and kicked him right in the leg, hard. You know, and and uh, you know, cantankerous kid, and Daffy. <laughs> Daffy, you know the person who was wearing the costume, kicked the kid back. Oh
1: no! And, yeah, <laughs> which, by the way, is not
2: atypical. I mean, that's what Daffy would have tried to do. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it it made the newspapers, and it was not. It was sort of a bad PR. You know? Oh, for and I, sure. I, of course, I was saddled with that, but the Six Flags apologized and and you know, they kind of beat down their guys and said, you can't do that. No matter what happens to you, you have to be polite. (laughs) So uh, uh, anyway, uh, I mean, I remember several funny stories like that with our walk around costumes. I remember when we opened the first studio store in Beverly Hills, and I don't know if this should be in your podcast, but- but,
0: (laughs) I can cut it, uh, it's too raunchy. (laughs)
2: uh, The, the, uh, these are funny stories. I wouldn't say if I was still worse. So Mel Gibson came to cut the ribbon. okay. And Tweety uh, was there, you know, in the walk around costume behind Mel Gibson. Uh, You know, and Mel turns to me and said, is that a man or a girl in that Tweety costume? I said, I'm not sure, sir. And he says, because if it's a guy, I'm going to knock him out. He just grabbed my ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, it was a gal, you know, but uh, Mel was not happy. Oh, no. so, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the angel question, is Tweety a girl or a boy?
2: <laughs> well, actually, now that's an interesting story because Frizz Freeling um, uh, and, and I try. I was very, I was close with Frizz and his family and Frizz is, always claimed that Tweety, he created him and he was a boy. And to prove it once, he did a, uh, a great sell of Tweety at a men's urinal, <laughs> you know, from the back. Now, I, <laughs> I begged his daughter if I could get a copy of that, and she would. You know, I said, I'd pay anything for that, and she said, no. Ain't gonna happen, <laughs> but, uh, but no, he was definitely a boy. He was definitely a boy. The appeal of Tweety was primarily to women. Right. And thank God for that, because most of Looney Tunes appealed to men. In fact, what we learned from when we opened the studio stores and all our research, the big mistake we were making, and that was before we were selling things to little kids and Looney Tunes appealed to adults, young people. I grew up on it. You grew up on it. A lot of people grew up on it and still hung in with it. And so as soon as we shifted to men and young adults, our business started to skyrocket. And when we opened the stores and we had that adult component, uh, like the guillettas, the stuff that the guillettas created and all of that, and all the animated cells that appealed to men, it was a superb uh, movement of our business up because we were catering to the right audience, the right demographic. And um, and the other thing too that is very interesting in Space Jam and it's appeal, Lola Bunny, which you know is is um uh was very popular with black fans you know they they very much related to in fact they related to looney tunes much more than other characters so um i think that's one of the reasons space jam was so successful too for For sure
0: sure. yeah Um, and going back to the theme parks 50 years is a really long time for any uh merchandising and, and ip to be sold to a a big theme park yes um, but I do have to think, I, I believe you, for getting Looney Tunes involved in the Six Flags in Houston, Texas, which yes. was uh, World. And that is where I grew up. I went to World a lot as a kid. And I was able to, you know, have Looney Tunes surround me and be in my life uh, in a personal level that I had never experienced with any other franchise with uh, because mm-hmm. I had never been to Disneyland. And this Mm -hmm. was my, this was my Disneyland. Um, So did, did you have any say in which theme parks or which, um, I I guess they were all Six Flags, but uh, which areas that they interacted with, or was it just all encompassing of if it's the Six Flags, they they should have Looney Tunes there?
2: Well, yeah, I think we started in Texas and then we worked our way into the other, I think they expanded too. Uh, But Looney Tunes, we knew that, you know, Disney was, you know, massive and huge and young, and we wanted to expand our footprint everywhere with uh, with Looney Tunes, and so Six Flags was a natural, you know, partner for us to have in in that regard. And then we added the other characters, Superman, et cetera, you know, DC characters. But um, uh, but the initial success that we had when I first joined Warner Bros. and started the division was with batman in the with the first movie which was a phenom where we sold you know 30 million t-shirts of black t-shirts and everything and i remember someone in management teasing me and they said okay so you have your first billion dollar brand with batman now do it with looney tunes and two years later we were doing that kind of business with looney tunes as well um you know so so uh, uh it was you know quite a phenomenon. It was because we realized that we were aiming too young at the demographics. We had to go adult. And so we we were kind of catering to the appeals, especially men of young men that had with Looney. Because you know, if you look back at the, the history, uh, Disney was sweet and cute and soft. Bugs Bunny was about tripping you, you know, and <laughs> right. and and and, and when stinker. we opened the When we opened the store on Fifth Avenue, we were right up the block from the Disney store. We had a fantastic store there. And we were all about that kind of craziness, that Looney Tunes, Ah. you know, versus Ah. Disney, which is soft and sweet and tender, you know. So that's wonderful. Yeah.
0: I really do miss the Looney Tunes and Warner Brothers store. I know that Abu Dhabi has a new theme park that is, has like a Looney Tunes land in it. And there's one in Brazil. Um, Do you think that in the future, we're going to get the Looney Tunes brand back in malls and back in stores like that?
2: Well, there's a bigger question is what is the future of retail now with COVID? Um, I mean, how, how many people are going to go? I mean, Warner's has been very successful in rolling out Harry Potter stores now. And, um, and I, and I think the biggest problem we had with Looney Tunes, the studio stores opened to a huge success, but we didn't do movies like Disney did to support, you know, that that was a unique for us to do a Space Jam movie. Right. And 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 then we didn't feed the tiger. So uh, people go in a store, they see the same product, and you have to change the diversity of the product all the time. And and um, you know, it it it. We, what really, what the stores did more than anything was created a huge business for us at Walmart, where you make a lot of money because there are so many, you know, units of product and everything. The stores were more about the image of the studio stores. We had 150 at one point of stores and we had them worldwide too. But but it really built our an enormous business for us, at, at, you know, at the Walmarts and of the world. and. And um, and so that's where it resonated, you know. And and then when you stopped doing movies and you and when the stores went away, um, and we merged at that time with uh, that AOL Time Warner, and, and then we had other mergers, and it it wasn't really reaching the numbers. We should have kept open like twenty stores, just right. for keeping the brand out there, you know, and for satisfying fans like yourself that could go in and and see stuff and, <laughs> but we didn't and, and uh so they just shut it down
0: that's really unfortunate but, you know
2: now they they there is a resurgence i i always find these things have uh, a period of flatness and then all of a sudden there's a movie or something fascinating that come, comes out and it boosts it up and fans come back and, and then it gets flat again you know they're curbs and, uh, and same with disney to a certain extent you know it's uh, yeah. high and lows and and you just have to be there but but one funny story so i went to michigan state university i think i told you the story didn't i the uh the uh um no and and um they invited me back they gave me a, an award um and looney tunes was at its peak at that point in time and um they told me there were five uh, alumni that were going to be honored and four of the alumni were giving really big grants to to michigan state And I was not at that point in time, so successful. I was going to give a big grant, you know, I'd give a contribution and everything, but I said, how many people are going to be there for this honor? And they said about 200 people. And at that time I had just did a huge deal with Tasmanian devil and the NFL, and it was really successful. And Taz was on fire and I was pushing Taz because he was macho and cool. So I, I said (laughs) to the guy, I said, what if I give, everyone there, a Michigan State Taz t-shirt, you know, I mean, I'll make a small donation, but he said, well, if you do that, that'll be great. So he, he was, a, I remember the guy who was the head of the business school when he gave out these awards, he said, and here's so-and-so head of the insurance company who gave a half a million dollars and a polite applause, you know, and there were like a couple hundred people there. And then, and then finally they got to me and, 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 and we're honoring Dan Romanelli's president of Warner Bros. Consumer Products. And he's giving each of you this Taz Michigan State T-shirt. Huge applause, <laughs> you know, because you were giving them something as opposed to, uh, you know, it's right. Like, it's nice to give a contribution, but when you take home something, it resonates. You know, so um, and and that's what the stores were all exactly. about—to to give the fans something they love that they would take home.
0: Yes, and just seeing the characters, you know, you like getting yeah. to see familiar friends and a familiarity right. of seeing these, you know, uh, landmarks of comedy in right. a in a everyday scenario, you know, like
3: yeah. the,
0: the, you know the daily interaction, and right. that's that's great. And I I love that you did the shirt thing. That's, that's yeah. wonderful. It was
2: fun. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> the other guys were saying, geez, we gave all this money and we uh, get, hard. you know, polite applause, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but give them Taz. Yeah, that's exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's wonderful, Dan. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um, this is essentially your floor. If you want to promote anything or talk about where people can find you on social media, uh, mm-hmm. I'll leave it up to you and hopefully people will follow you
2: well that's that's very nice of you um i'm uh, um, you know very involved now in in consulting and I enjoy it because i I have uh, you know like to keep busy otherwise I drive my wife crazy you know so uh, and but my sons are active now and they do a lot of different things and um, and uh, i I just like uh helping and but I am involved in this uh, uh you know, document documentary uh, that that uh, that Michael Campion is doing and uh, with Josh Hunter, and it's actually uh, uh, it's it's a lot about Chuck Jones. And then there's a little bit about the consumer products piece of it as well. And uh, the building of that organization. And, um, and I'm now working for with a company called Shopkick, that is uh, uh, an app that that has millions of fans and and they go to retail and they, they uh, get, uh, you know, Shopkick points, which equates to gift certificates, et cetera. And I'm introducing them to a host of licensing opportunities and including Space Jam. We're talking to Warner Brothers about doing a Shopkick, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, Space Jam opportunity. So.
3: Oh, and awesome. We,
2: it was, we're talking to Hasbro and other companies as well. But the, uh, um, uh, so I just kind of keep, you know, I don't like to get too deep in the water, but just stick my toes into different pools. So I stay active and keep the mind, uh, you know, uh, uh, going, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. And, and um, you know, like I, like I did with the cookies, you know, make a deal and then step out and let, let the product be successful. You know, I don't want to manage it. I just want to uh, help people move it along
1: and i'm on linkedin
2: i'm on linkedin and uh you know that's the best way to reach out to me and and i love that you're doing this blog Uh, you know one interesting story i don't know if you're aware of this and i do have pictures of this and maybe i should provide some of it to you Uh, yes of course during 9 11 you know um when that awful thing happened to the twin towers we had a studio store in the very bottom of the uh, building and there are pictures and i have those pictures of of the store pretty much crushed but bugs bunny who was in front uh, in uh, a statue stood he he didn't get crushed and i think that's a testament to um america's resolve to stand firm and i think bugs made a statement with that you know and i thought it was very cool and 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 i think it's a picture that should have had more exposure for what it was, you know. So absolutely. Oh, I'd love to
0: share that. With yeah, I'll
2: forward, I'll forward that to you. And I remember I had it in our case, in, uh, in consumer products, uh, that uh, you know, that uh, you know, our guy, you know, you can't take him, you can't take him down, you know. he's no, stands for what's America and what's great.
0: Private Admiral Bugs Bunny
2: reporting to exactly. the sir. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Uh, That is a wonderful message. And I I love that we have this iconic character to look toward for not only laughs, but also inspiration. And he will always be a source of inspiration for myself and others like me and obviously yourself who used him at the very beginning of your career and you're still using him to inspire you and you know even in consulting exactly Um, Dan Romanelli thank you so much for being a part of this show it has been an honor I wanted to just thank you for being a part of my childhood and for allowing these characters to embrace myself as a kid and as a developing mind (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and for them to constantly be reminders of innocence and humility and also just the human kindness and human nature of the world. Thank so, you, Jonathan.
2: Thank, thank you, for you Jonathan, for doing this blog. I think it's very it's great and for being a Looney Tunes fan and and it makes me feel good to know that you were out there being one of the fans who appreciated things we were doing. So uh, it's great. It, Took 30 years for me to, you know, see that, but I love it, you know, that I can see it. So thank you, sir. And I will send you some of those pictures. Wonderful. I look forward to that. Okay. You
0: can follow the podcast on This Means Pod at Twitter and This Means Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to be a part of the conversation by commenting, reviewing, and sharing this podcast with fellow Looney Tunes fans and aficionados like ourselves for others to enjoy and to reminisce. Have a wonderful day. And remember, that's not all folks
2: <laughs> that's great well uh, you're safe now kid so trot along to your party
1: before you get your tuxedo all wrinkled up here bye bye here wait a minute let me fix you up a bit yeah it ain't every day you go formal Hmm, not bad you'll knock him dead kid now go on pin the tail on the donkey yeah mr warner gave me just two weeks vacation and i've already lost enough time Cause I'm yearning to be joining up the safe on Old Miami Beach.